What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton. This podcast is available on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. You can find me on Instagram at Money Comps. You can also find me on X slash Twitter at Sports Business. That's S-P-O-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S. And you can also email the show. That's sportsbusiness at gmail.com. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about our week nine winners and losers. We're also going to talk about why I hate the NBA in-season tournament. And then before we get up out of here, we're going to talk about the dummy of the day, which I don't know if it's a dummy of the day. It's more of just putting things in perspective. But first things first, man, how ironic was it that Antonio Pierce gets his job as the Raiders head coach, I believe last Wednesday, plays his former team and beats his former team, the New York Giants. So, um... I thought that that was going to be a very, very interesting game. Needless to say, it ended up feeling like a homecoming game. I believe that was the biggest margin of victory for the Raiders since they relocated to Las Vegas from their home of Oakland, California for 20-some plus years. So um, it was very – I went to the game, me and my boy Sergio, we went to the game, had a great time. But even throughout the game, I was like, man – or before the game even kicked off, I was like, "Eh, I don't know. Like – the Raiders' offense has looked really, really bad. And then you're starting a rookie quarterback, which he didn't play too bad the other day against uh, the L.A. Rams. Or, I'm sorry, the L.A. Chargers. But still, it's a rookie quarterback. And the Giants' defense has been decent. They haven't been elite. They haven't been limit booty. They've been a middle-of-the-road defense. And with the way and as bad as the quality of NFL football has been this year, Middle of the road can win you some games. Just take the New York Jets, for example, how they won three games in a row before last night. So just really, really interesting. But yeah, let's go with the week nine winners. And obviously, like I said, I got the the Las Vegas Raiders. They had a tumultuous week, fired their coach and GM. They bring in Antonio Pierce. Um, I already said that they felt like it was going to be a homecoming game for the Raiders. That was a game they couldn't lose, but you just never know just based off the way the offense looked. I didn't think that they was going to be able, be able to put up a 30 spot against the Giants, but they made they did the damn thing a little score, like 30 to 6 or something like that. And, you know, it felt like the air had been let out through them. Like, you can even, as you're walking into Allegiant Stadium, like, everybody was just legitimately happy that McDaniel was no longer there. Um, you definitely felt, I mean, even from the music being played before the game even kicked off, like, they was out here, were straight out of Compton, every uh, Ice Cube, every L.A., L.A. trap song you can think of back in early 80s, late 80s, early 90s song that you can think of um, before the game even kicked off. So really, really, really impressed with how they looked. But also, I think the ultimate test is going to be the next three games. They play the Jets on Sunday night. They play the Dolphins in Miami, and then they got to play Kansas City. Those are the next three games. I don't know what their expectation is. I know Antonio Pierce keeps saying that, hey, just go out there, be yourself, and let's just let everything play, hang out, and see what happens. There has to be somewhere in the back of that man's mind where he has to know that, hey, he's also coaching for possibly a long-term, a long-term extension um, to be with this organization. Now, with that being said, in order for him to get that long-term deal, 
or get the interim tag removed from his title, he's going to have to win a few games. What's a few games? I don't know. But I do think within this next three-game stretch that they have, they got to steal a win either from Casey or Miami. Um, I think the New York Jets, as good as their defense is, the Raiders' defense, luckily this year, has been able to create turnovers, which that's something I haven't been able to say in probably five or six years. Like This defense has actually been able to get turnovers. They've been able to get off the field. Um, but we shall see how they mount up against the Jets next week um, and that elite Jets defense that they got. So, yeah, definitely week nine winners is, is, is my uh, Las Vegas Raiders. My, uh, my second winners, and I don't know if it's just the team or just the player itself, but I ain't going to lie, man. I've been fascinated with this Josh Dobbs uh, story. And I, I've been calling him Rocket Boy or Rocket Man, just being the fact that I, I guess he's a NASA engineer. Uh, for robotics or something like that, but NASA sent out a tweet the other day with him and the NASA and astronaut suit. They call him the astronaut. I'm gonna go with Rocket Boy. Um, Rocket Boy, my man, went out there, didn't know nobody's names, didn't nobody, didn't know the plays, didn't even know the snap count. They didn't know his cadence. They didn't know nothing. My man was literally out there playing backyard football, and somehow ran for over 60 yards, led the lead, led the game, both offense and defense, or both the Falcons and the Vikings. And in rushing with over 66 yards, running the ball, and was able to get a game-winning drive touchdown. So I don't know. That's a definitely a team effort where you got wide right receivers telling them what route they're gonna run. They look in and they throwing up different hand signs and kind of just giving each other that look. But to come off the streets and be able to do that, that ain't nothing to flinch at. Um, I know Baker Mayfield somehow was able to do that, but my man Josh Dobbs has been all over the all over the league. I know he started for started some games with the Titans last year. I think he started camp. Ooh. I don't even know where he started camp at this year, but it wasn't with the Arizona Cardinals. Gets traded to the Cardinals, I believe, a week before the season begins. Beats the Cowboys and hasn't played really. He didn't play bad. How good is Joshua Dobbs? I don't know. He's good enough to be. I don't think he's good enough to be a bench warmer, but I also don't know if he's good enough to be a long-term starting solution. Like I think my man's gonna be like Charlie Batch. Charlie Batch. Um, a long-time second stringer who, when this number gets called, he's just going to be able to perform. But it seems like the Vikings is going to be rolling with him for the foreseeable future with Kirk Cousins being gone for the year. Um, the rookie quarterback that they was going to start, I think he ended up getting a concussion. So it looks like he is going to be the, the, the short-term solution. And not to mention, I think Minnesota's ripped off four games in a row. They've won four. They ain't out of it yet. I think they're second in the division behind Detroit. But... You know, I, you already know how I feel about Detroit. I don't know how good they are. And the last time I saw them, they didn't play good. So, um, yeah, Josh Dodds and Minnesota Vikings, shout out to y'all. Y'all making things happen. The other set is uh, CJ Stroud of the Houston, Texas. Texans. Hey, man. I said it a few weeks ago, and I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know how good are the Houston Texans. But I do know that CJ Stroud is playing like a top 10 quarterback. The man has set a NFL rookie record for most passing yards. I think he threw five touchdowns and didn't throw an interception. I think he also had three wide receivers that caught over 100 yards in a shootout. Oh, and then they didn't have a kicker as well. Um, and they still figured out a way to win. So CJ Stroud is playing at a high level, which I don't think nobody had on their bingo card of the Houston Texans being uh, at the record that they are, which I believe they're at 500 at four and four. Yeah, they're four and four right now. Um, 
which they're not really necessarily out of it in the NFC, AFC South with Jacksonville up there, but don't think that they can beat, win the division. But I mean, I think they can, I don't know. I don't, can they sneak into the wild card and, and make things happen? But if you, if you would have said that the Houston Texans after nine weeks were going to be four and four at 500, you'd have been, you'd have, you'd have lost all your money, but here they are and he's making it happen. Um, it, it's, it's really amazing. D'Amico Ryan's got them boys playing really hard. The defensive line is really good. For them to have three guys go over 100 yards, and they're not necessarily household names yet, but really just a young team just playing like a group of savvy veterans is really, really impressive. So that is my next set of winners. And then my last set of winners is the Baltimore Ravens. Amen. I've been very, very critical on Lamar Jackson. I told you that. Did I think he deserved the big contract that he got? Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. I didn't knock it, but I also was like, yo, what have you done for me lately? And all he's done the last two weeks is beat the brakes off of the uh, the Lions and then beat the brakes off of a really, really decent Seattle Seahawks team. And I'm talking about beating the brakes off of them. Um, another huge win, 37-3. to Lamar, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. finally caught his first touchdown. But the defense of the Ravens has been elite. They've been lights out. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more from Lamar. I know he only had 187 yards passing the ball, but they made things happen. And they can only build momentum from here on now. I know they play in a very, very tough division. The Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Watson, if he's anything that he was before he got to Cleveland, who knows what they got going on. You still got Pittsburgh, where somehow they still are able to win games, even though they're being outgained. Um, they got one of the least amount of touchdowns in the league, but you got that. You got the Steelers, like I said, the Browns. And you also got Cincinnati, who looks like they are playing lights out football right now. So if the Ravens can keep this chokehold on and be able to just kind of tread water and, you know, maybe Lamar, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. starts showing up and showing out real, real soon, you could start, you know, I can start taking them very, very serious. But two wins against the Lions and the Seahawks, where everyone had all their eggs in the basket with the Lions and the Seahawks team that has kind of had people kind of look over their shoulders and be like, well, this team is legit. That's really, really impressive, you know, so huge kudos to them. My set of losers, my next set of losers, let's see, where do I start? Let's start with the Miami Dolphins. Miami's 0-3 against teams that are above 500. That means that when the competition rises, they fall. I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass being the fact that they played in Germany and in a whole different world, and that that plane ride, even though it is chartered and you probably do got the live flat seats and everything, it's still a long flight from uh, Miami to Germany. It's a lot. But also, that offense looked very, very, very stagnant. Um, and it almost looks like they're a one-trick pony where if the timing isn't there for Tua, Tua and Tyree Hill and Jalen Waddle and the boys, then, 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 and then everything just kind of blows up. Like, there is no plan B. You know, plan B is just trying to figure it out. But when the timing, you know, two is a timing quarterback where he, you know, he's throwing the ball before the receivers make their break out of the routes. And the expectation is the ball is going to be there. If he's getting pressured and whatnot, he don't know really, he don't really know what to do. Um, so I and and also the KC defense is probably one of the better KC defenses that they had in a very long time. But just the Miami Dolphins, just when they play really, really good teams, they just look really, really, really bad. So definitely got them as my losers the Buffalo Bills I told you all before the season began 
I thought that they were going to take a huge step back. So I'm not necessarily surprised. I'm actually surprised that they didn't try to go get a Derrick Henry. They didn't try to go get Dalvin Cook. They didn't try to get a, 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 hell, I would even call try to see if I can get Saquon Barkley, but they need a running game. You can't have your running, your quarterback as your primary running back. Like they're just, that's a recipe, that's a bad recipe, but you know, they played a good Cincinnati team, but I also think that the, I think Sean McDermott's seat might be getting a little bit warm if they don't make it to the AFC Championship game this year. I think he's been there since 2017. I don't think they've even been to the AFC Championship game that I can think of off the top of my head. And this is the same team as last year. I know they got mad injuries, but at the same time, you guys aren't doing anything to protect Josh Allen. Like, you guys got to get a running back where you can pound the rock. I think Derrick Henry would have been a great addition during the trade deadline for that just to take some of the brunt off of it. You can still let him be Josh Allen. Let him let him run around the pocket. Let him, you know, improvise and create some plays for Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. But you can't keep letting him be your primary running back where he's just out here taking that beating. I think what was it last week? He, he got hit, hit. He got hit hard and his shoulder was messed up a little bit. So the Bills, I'm not really surprised, but also at the same time, they might be one of the bigger disappointments this season. Just being at, I believe they're five and four now, um, which it's not good at all. So. Yeah, definitely the Buffalo Bills being on the loser's bracket. And then my last team, I don't know how I feel about them because they played really hard. And unfortunately, one team definitely does have to lose. And that'd be the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I feel like they just had an unfortunate string of bad luck where they get smoked on national TV against the 49ers. They have a, they lay an egg in Arizona. And then they play Philly all the way up until the final whistle. And they still lose the game. You know, Dak Prescott steps out of bounds on the two-point conversion. You get uh, some some questionable calls on them, and here you here you are. So, and not to mention, Jalen Hurts was hurt as well with that knee. So, I don't want to necessarily say that they're losers, but at the same time, when, I've always said this: if you always got a string of bad luck and you can't change your own fortunes, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and figure out what you're doing wrong. Because if you're just that person that always got bad luck. I can't be rocking around you, man. You just, you just got bad juju. And I think the Cowboys at this point just got bad juju. It comes down to even last year when they had that stupid play against the, what was Ezekiel's Elliott's last play as a Cowboy. He was the center. Like just, just dumb stuff. So I don't know what they can do to change the game. They got a pretty good, a nice little landing spot in their schedule, I believe. Um, they play the Giants next week. Um, and they can go from there. So, you know, hopefully they can come back next next week, you know, beat up on the Giants as the Giants don't really have a quarterback and go from there. They play the Cowboys the week after. And I think during the Thanksgiving week game, they play Lionel Richie and the Commandos. So they got three good games where they can kind of build up some of that momentum in them and have another crack at it against Philadelphia, I think, the week after that. So while on the other side, Philadelphia's next string of games, they about to be some tough ones. So... Um, those are your week nine winners and losers. And let's switch gears. Now, my boy Sergio came to visit me in Vegas. He landed Friday. And we were actually supposed to go to a retirement party, but his, his flight landed, ended up being delayed. So we get, we get back to the house. We just chilling at the house. We was like, yo, what you want to go do? And I was like, eh, nothing really too much because we got a busy weekend. We ended up going to the Golden Knights game Saturday. Then we went to the Raiders-Giants game Sunday. And then I'm actually recording the show here in Colorado this week. So we were sitting at the house and we was like, man, 
let's just see, you know, what's, what's on TV. So we turn on the TV, ESPN, and I see this loud ass blue on my TV. It, the, the, and it was a basketball game. The court looked like something off of NBA 2K. Of my, my, my player, my career created court. Now, here's the thing. I've already said, oh, I think the last two weeks about this in-season tournament was stupid. Seeing it for myself, seeing the actual players not even know what's going on, and force-feeding this NBA in-season tournament like it is the most hottest thing since sliced bread, almost made me not only want to vomit, but made me have running diarrhea. Like, it was coming out of both ends. It's just how annoyed I was, and I am to this day, about this in-season tournament. First of all, I must have called at least four or five different people from the NBA, as well as local sources, news outlets, as far as how is this tournament going to work? Because I was sitting there and I got to thinking, there's actually a break in between the season where if you look at your schedules, there's only 80 games that are that have been scheduled. And then there's a week break for like a week between like December the 2nd all the way up until December the 11th or something like that. And I got to thinking, I was like, well, what the hell is that for? And then they were talking about, well, that's the in-season tournament. I said, so if your team goes to the quarterfinals and you lose, then what? And no one has been able to answer that question to the point where I was able, I, I, was, I heard, and I was able to see the media handbook on how this works, where it just doesn't make it, even to this day, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Where something has to go with the calculations where the two quarterfinal team play teams will play each other one home game, one home, one away game during that week of the semifinals happening. Here's the thing. The average NBA salary is $9.7 million. $500,000 ain't really going to make or break a player. And I saw Kendra Perkins on ESPN talking about, oh, they playing for $500,000. That's chump change. That ain't nothing but chump change. Now, if you're talking about the 11th or 12th player on the bench, yeah, that might be a little something, something. But G League players, they making, they making six figures. Them players that are on two-way contracts, they're making, they're making pretty good money. And then if you're talking about the sports jocks tax and it's paying, depending on where you play, you also got to pay city taxes. So that $500,000 is probably only going to cover your family traveling to the NBA uh, in-season tournament in Las Vegas, which in Las Vegas right now, it is all torn up from the floor because of the F1 racing. And you're going to have it the first week of December where they're going to be breaking it down. If you've looked at any pictures of Las Vegas, Las Vegas does not look normal. It looks all ate up. You cannot walk around on the strip. The strip, the portions of Las Vegas Boulevard is closed down. And not to mention, it's also the dead season. No one travels to Las Vegas during December. The Pac-12 championship game will be taking place around that. And they give those games away. They give those tickets away by the boatloads of the thousands just to fill up Allegiant Stadium. They're going to do the same thing. Don't let these people tell you that those tickets are already sold out. If you go on your tickets, Masters, and wherever you get your tickets from, there's tickets available. Don't let the media lie to you. I'm telling you that right now. Trust me. Now, here's the thing. They the, the way they even attacked it, they got poor, they got special courts, they got special jerseys. The NBA has been under contract with Nike as their official apparel since 2019. Since 2019, they have unlocked, uh, unveiled a city edition jersey for all 32 teams. Along with those city edition jerseys came with city edition courts. There's nothing different besides, besides a stupid runway and these loud-ass colors of these courts. There's nothing different what they did last year and this year. The courts, you know, and I heard that there was a study that said that they wanted the courts to be loud. 
these are regular season games. You're telling me that you've got to get players to be hyped up about a regular season game. And not to mention, if I'm a season, if I'm a team that has a lot of veterans like the LA Lakers, you really only have to pump away four games and then not have to play for, you can play those other two games within the conference, you know, the little make-believe games that they're going to have, and then take your series, take, 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 pick it back up. You're telling players that you want, you want more player involvement or you want your star players to play, but then at the same time, you're adding an additional game on the championship side. So now you're playing game number 83. Where is it you, for $500,000? For $500,000, you got to play an additional game when you can't get players to play 65 games a season. This doesn't make any sense. This was a money grab. They keep saying that they wanted to be able to compete with the NFL because nobody watches basketball before November. Well, guess what, Blady? That's your dumbass's fault for keep pushing out the schedule all the way before Halloween. Back in the day, the, the NBA schedule really was... The NBA didn't start getting... The season usually didn't start around until Halloween, that last week of the, the October. They got this thing starting all the way to the middle of October now because players complained about back-to-backs, playing four games in five, four games in five nights, all these other things where if you look at hockey, they play the same amount of games. They play four games in five nights. They play back-to-backs. I've never heard them sitting there having load management. So, and that's a contact sport. I say all to say this is this. Usually, NBA doesn't really get, nobody pays attention to the NBA until Christmas Day. So here's what you need to do. Take it for face value that football, you got college football, you got the pros, pro football that's taking place. It is what it is. Y'all, y'all are just conceding and saying that y'all can't compete with the NFL, which is fine. That's cool. But don't try to incentivize the regular season for something that's meaningless. Because if I'm, what if you are LeBron James and you play in the final game of this in-season tournament championship and you blow out your ACL or you blow out your Achilles? It's any star player. You're really just making it that much. You're making it even more crazier than what it already is. You got players that can get injured at any given time, especially the way these players are built these days, where they can't even they can't even play 82 games. Like you see more players, you see any player that plays 82 games, it's like finding Bigfoot, the Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster. It's a rare thing. No one is going to pay attention to this end season tournament. I'm telling you that right now. Well, you know, everyone can do all their complainings. Well, what's the solution? Here's what I would have done. I would have got rid of the playing tournament. I would have made the top team in the East and the West. If you're the top team in the East and the West, you get a buy. You get a buy. So two through eight, you got to play each other. Then what I would have did is the remaining teams that didn't make the playoffs, they get to play in the tournament. And the tournament will determine who gets the number one overall draft pick. And then the, the runner-up, the loser of the championship game, they get the number two and so on and so on and so on. Then you got the third place, third place game, fourth place game, and so on. And that's how you see the draft, as opposed to this hint, hint, wink, wink, stomp, stomp, this lottery process that goes where they, all these ping pong balls are being pulled out and you don't know who, you know, who's really pulling the strings there. So what I would do is get rid of the stupid lottery system, get them boys to play. Now you're out here just literally competing with baseball and you're going to make the money back, the TV revenue money back on the back end. Now you're incentivizing that the regular season is more important because if you're the top seeded team, you practically almost get a week off. You can take a week off if you get a buy, if done correctly. And now you're including everyone, since you guys want to do participation trophies, now you still got everybody to be able to play 
at the back end, and you can have your stupid little special courts, you can have these little jerseys and everything, but that's how you get fans more involved, that's how you get players more involved, and if you're a team that has been having a crappy season all year, and you want that number one overall draft pick, there you go, there's your incentive to play hard, that's how you fix the problem, but trying to fix a problem in November because you know that TV contracts are up next year and you want $75 billion as opposed to 25 that you got 10 years ago, this ain't going to work. I'm telling you right now, if you look at your social media feeds, no one's, no one, no one likes it. And for all you weirdos, the 40 and under crew, which I don't, it doesn't apply to me because I don't, I'm not really a fan of all these Euro league soccer things. People keep wanting to say that this is, a, this is the same thing as soccer. Well, but for soccer, if you're a European club, you play in multiple leagues, that's how you're doing it. This goes back to the AAU model. This whole NBA in-season thing is nothing but an AAU thing. If you think about AAU and how the business model goes, your teams will go to Texas. They'll play the Dallas shootout. They'll go to Vegas. They'll play the Vegas the Vegas Showtime Classic or something like that. They go to LA. There's no league. Everything is just tournament. So, you know, you might have a team from Florida that went to Dallas. They're the champions of that tournament. You may have a team from California that won the Las Vegas Invitational. You might have a team from Atlanta, Georgia that won the LA Invitational, but you really don't get the department. You don't know who's the best of the best because there's no regular season. This is what the, and you know, from the shoes, coaches are just really just out there wearing basketball shorts and a polo. That's what we got right now with our NBA coaches where they just not, they're not in business suits no more. You got to be a player that can wear whatever color shoes. It's too AAU-ish. This is nothing but a big ass AAU Invitational. And a lot of these players are just trying to bring the AAU vibes to the pros. And I'm not going to lie, I don't like it. I don't think the players like it. I think Bones Island was the first player to be like, I don't even know what we're doing. Um, and, he, and, and, you know, like today, today is Tuesday. Supposedly they're supposed to have games on Tuesdays and Fridays, but no, there's no games even scheduled for today because they want everyone to vote, which is very, very important. Go vote. But, you know, there's no game scheduled today. You got this Friday. And, you know, we shall see. But I don't think this is something that's going to last long. I think this is going to be something that blows up in their face. If you're going to watch a regular season game, you're going to watch a regular season game. It doesn't matter if it's an in-season tournament. It doesn't matter. You know, it it just doesn't matter. If you want to watch basketball, you're going to watch basketball. That's just me. I think I can go on and say that that probably goes along with everyone else in line. But if you want to watch basketball, you're going to watch basketball. You don't need a stupid gimmick. This ain't nothing different than a WWE match. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, a, a contract for $500,000 on a pole match or something like that. So, I mean, have that at NBA, but this is in a, this is really going to end up biting y'all in the ass because if I was a TV executive, I'd be like, hey, I'll let y'all come on, but I'm not. We don't want this NBA season and get rid of the tournament. So, you know, Adam Silver struck out on a lot of bad ideas. He struck out on this whole team captain stuff on the All-Star game where he got rid of the East-West. He's, you know, the whole summer league players getting rings at the end of summer league. Like, he's, he's struck out on a lot of bad ideas. So, this might be another one where he might have to eat this L. So, but uh, you've been listening to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton. Like I said, this podcast is available on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Make sure you tell two or three people about me. You can find me on Instagram at Money Compton. You can also find me on the Twitterverse at Sports Business. You can also find, email the show. Email so let me know if you like the end season tournament, yes or no, at sportsbusiness at gmail.com. But before we get up out of here, I'm not gonna say this is dummy today. This is a this was a story that has been rubbing me the wrong way. Damore Hamlin 
literally died on the football, pretty much died on the football field last year, and, and the EMTs were able to bring him back to life. Uh, and he was in a coma for a few days, and ended up making the full recovery and made the 53 man 53 man roster team for the Buffalo Bills. Great story. But at the same time. I don't know while I was watching that Sunday Night Football game, I felt comfortable with the camera panning back to him and talking about how much of a folk, it's almost like he's a folk hero for a game where he almost died. Like, I'm pretty sure players are aware that, hey, you can get paralyzed, you can get knocked out unconscious, but ain't nobody thinking that you're just going to go out there and die. And that's what really happened. And the, the, the accident was so bad, they didn't even finish the game. And, and it was declared a no contest. They didn't even make the game up. And, you know, I'm happy that he he's, he's made a full recovery. I'm, I wouldn't want to play football again. But, you know, him just even going back out on the field where he, you know, where that incident happened for him and he was just kind of there by himself. Um, it was just very, very, like, I don't want to say I want to, we, we don't need to relive that. But also at the same time, we don't need to relive that. Like, we don't need to relive about somebody dying on the field. And I'm not gonna say NBC did a bad job of like telling his story, but also it's just something that just don't need to be reminded. Like, you know, I almost felt guilty watching football, you know, when, when I was watching the Bills against the, the, the Bengals, just because it's like, dang, man, these dudes really be out here putting their life on the lines, literally. Um, and. And this is why I, I get so mad about y'all fantasy football weirdos and all you sports betters going ham sandwich because these dudes are literally can die at any given second, as we saw with Demar Hamlin. Y'all went and got the nerves to be out here cussing them out, sending them death threats, and all this other stuff just because you didn't hit your triple A parlay, grow up. But it didn't make me feel good hearing his story, and you know. I, I hope that, you know, he's making the right decision that he wants to play. I don't know if he's played a game this season. I know he's kind of like a borderline in between a practice squad player and the actual roster. And I think that, you know, that's really, really noble. I, you know, but I don't know if I was him. I don't know if I'd want to play football again. But, you know, different folk, different stroke for every, you know, different, different stroke for every folks. But it just didn't, it didn't rub me. It just rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And, like I said, let's just act like this never happened. I, I hate to sound like that dude, but I'm cool with not, you know, you know, not having to hear about it again. But, you know, um, and that's why I said, I don't know if I can say this is the down of the day because I didn't think it was, but here we are. But that is the show. We do the show once a week. We will return on our regular day on Monday next week. But until then, y'all take it easy. We are out of here.